Welcome to New Hope Church Online, and thank you for tuning in today. Today, at all of our Houston area locations, we're actually going through the movie series. It's a four-week series where we use movies as the illustrations for biblical teaching. It's an awesome time, but due to copyright restrictions here online, you and I are actually going to be going through a series that we did recently called Perhaps Today. We can't show the movie series online, but we can show this awesome series called Perhaps Today. I know you're going to enjoy it. It's about the return of Jesus and how we as Christ followers can look forward to that day with joyful anticipation. I know you're going to enjoy this four-week series, so thank you for tuning in. While you're here, if you'd do me a favor and follow New Hope Church on social media, that's Instagram and Facebook, and also subscribe to the YouTube channel right there. If you have a prayer request, put in that live chat. We'd love to pray with you. Thanks for being here at New Hope Church Online. All righty, we are connected. Welcome to 88 Campus, Friendswood Campus, Alvin Campus, Webster Campus, and everybody who is joining us online today. Uh, first of all, how you doing? Good, 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 good. Uh, Great to have you in church today, no matter who you are, no matter where you're from. Uh, great to have you in God's house today. Um, if you're brand new with us, we've been in a series where we're discussing the end of time and Jesus' second coming and how that literally could be any day, hence the name of the series that we're in called Perhaps Today. And this is a, this is a fact that doesn't scare us that he could come back any day. In fact, uh, this is something that we look forward to with joyful anticipation because when Jesus comes back, it's going to be a great day. Somebody say amen. It's going to be a great day. And uh, last week we were in Matthew chapter 24. <clears throat> we worked our way down to the first 14 verses of that chapter. And this is just Jesus uh, talking to his disciples, uh, doing a little teaching about the end of time and about his second coming. We made it last week through the first 14 verses, then we jumped down toward the end of the chapter to uh, nine more verses down there. Uh, today what we're going to do is we're going to pick up at verse 15, which you're going to see in just a moment is like, a, is like an exit sign from the road that we were on to go to other places in the Bible. I won't explain that now. We'll just do it in just a few moments. But uh, once we get done with the sermon today, uh, we're going to be taking communion together, something I'm very excited about and something that we have on the calendar uh, uh, every, every month now, back on the calendar. Is, we're, we're going post-pandemic now. Somebody say amen. We're going post-pandemic. It's going to be on the calendar now. Once a month, it's going to be available every single week at your campus. You can pick it up and you can take it. Uh, uh, I remember his death, burial, and resurrection every single week if you would like to do that, and I would encourage you to do so. But... Um, so, sometime between now and the end of the service, if you did not get a cup somehow when you came into the room at your campus, uh, send a member of your family or your team out to get cups for you. And if, if you come back with like a bunch of donuts, then I'm going to know that you have strayed from your mission and have... I'm just glad you're in church, man. Uh, <clears throat> so, let's jump into the text today. Uh, with both feet and kind of see where Jesus takes us. As I said, we're going to be in uh, Matthew chapter 24, beginning in verse 15. Jesus says, so when you see standing in the holy place, the abomination that causes desolation spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand. And then he goes on, but we're going to stop right here for just a, just a moment. Jesus in verse 15 mentions the book of Daniel. And if you're if you're new to studying the Bible, that's a directional sign that we need to go there. 
Need to go there, see what he's talking about. So uh, before we do go there, please note that the book of Daniel was written uh, 500 plus years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, before he came to the earth, okay? So 500 years B.C., before Christ, he, uh, he mentions here in Matthew 24, the abomination that causes desolation. Uh, Daniel mentions that same event or that same kind of person three different times. I've chosen one of those verses out of Daniel to read to you. Uh, but you can also find it here in 9:27 and 12:11. Uh, this is 11:31. His armed forces will rise up to desecrate the temple fortress and will abolish the daily sacrifice. Then they will set up the abomination that causes desolation. Now, if you dig into most Bible commentaries, you're going to see that most believe that this is a direct reference from Daniel as to what happens in 156 BC before Christ. So. Did you hear me? 156 years before Christ, so, so B.C., but also pre-Roman emperor days. And what happened then was a guy named Antiochus Epiphanes, along with his army, conquered Jerusalem and profaned the temple, going so far as uh, many say to sacrifice a pig on the altar. And he wanted, he wanted everybody to worship. He was trying, he was looking for uniformity across his empire. And, and so he set up his pagan idols in the temple as well. And you can read about it in an article that I have included on the digital listening guide. If you don't know, there's a listening guide out there. It's got all the verses that we're talking about today and more, more verses. There's a link to an article about this event in 156 AD. And uh, the reason we have it written up here instead of me handwriting it is actually uh, somebody else typed this out because when I, last time I wrote it, if you were here, I wrote it wrong. I wrote it wrong. And uh, we sent people everywhere but the right place. And so from now on, they said they're going to take care of it for me. And I appreciate that. But, um, <clears throat> but if you go to that article and you read, they make a great compelling case for Daniel's prophecy being all about this event in 156 AD or BC. So, but when, when Jesus talks about the abomination that causes desolation, he doesn't talk about it in past tense. He talks about it in future tense, okay, which leads some to believe that he was talking about the destruction of the temple in 70 AD, which we went into in depth last week, and I'm not going to go there again. If you missed it, go back and watch it. But, uh, uh, as you saw last week, not everything that Jesus mentioned about that came true in, 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 in 70 AD. So that leads people, myself being one of those people, uh, to believe that Jesus is saying that these events were a foreshadowing of the ultimate showdown that uh, God would have, that Jesus would have with the greatest enemy of God's people, and that would be the Antichrist and Students of the Bible know that the Antichrist is the major player on team evil uh, in end-of-world events. Now, uh, John talks about him in the book of John, or in 1 John, but then uh, John also wrote Revelation, and he doesn't uh, use the name Antichrist in Revelation. He, he calls him the beast, and so many people believe the Antichrist is the same as the beast mentioned in Revelation. And Paul calls him the man of lawlessness 
in uh, 2 Thessalonians. So again, uh, for your personal study, I've included on the digital listening guide a short list of what kind of a leader he will be along with the scriptures backing up those assertions. But a couple of examples here. Uh, the Bible says that he's going to be a charismatic leader, very charismatic. He's going he's to woo a lot of people to him. A lot of people are going to want to follow him because he is so charismatic and uh, the Bible also says that he's going to be good-looking. That's what the Bible says, which, which eliminates most politicians. And <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, the Bible also says that he's going to be extremely effective. He's going to be effective, an effective leader, which eliminates the coach of the Dallas Cowboys. And... Um, <laughs> Too soon, too soon, huh? <laughs> and, uh, and that he's going to fool a lot of people. And so maybe you're wondering, how does a guy that ends up being so evil fool so many people? How does he, how does he get so much power? Now, not that you need an organizational chart for Team Beast or Team Evil, but I just want to show you a few verses out of Revelation to kind of paint the picture of what this hierarchy is going to look like, okay? So in Revelation, if you're following along, this is chapter 12, verse 9. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. So a little bit of a pop quiz right now, and it's, a, it's an open book quiz because I have the book open right here on the screen. <laughs> so whenever Revelation talks about the dragon which it does. John mentions the dragon many times in the book of Revelation. He's referring to whom? The devil. Very good. Or, or Satan, right? Okay, so anytime that you read about the dragon in the book of Revelation, he's talking about, he's talking about the devil. Now, chapter 13, verse 1. Remember, this is uh, John writing. He's seeing this vision. God is giving him this vision of the end of time. And this is chapter 13, verse 1. The dragon, which would be who? The devil stood on the shore of the sea, and I saw a beast coming up out of the sea. It had ten horns and seven heads uh, with ten crowns on its horns, and on each head a blasphemous name. Now, understand uh, that this is, this is not a person. I mean, this is a person. It's not a beast. It's an actual person. It's uh, not a, a beast that's actually coming up out of the sea. Uh, this, would, this would be a reference to a land beyond the sea, okay? And he doesn't have ten horns and seven heads. These are all symbolic. Horns and heads represent uh, governments or nations. So this is a reference to how this antichrist or this beast or this guy is going to lead this coalition of nations and rulers. This is team beast, team evil. And he's going to lead them in this effort uh, to try to destroy Israel and God's people and ultimately uh, try to do battle against Jesus in uh, the battle of Armageddon. And uh, now verse 2. The dragon, which is who? The devil gave power, gave the beast his power and his throne and great authority. So Satan gives the Antichrist, the man of lawlessness, the beast, this pivotal player in uh, end-of-world events, he gives him his power on this earth to just go nuts. And uh, it's almost as if he starts off kind of slowly, maybe even looking like he's going to be somewhat of a good guy, but then somewhere along the line, he takes his 
massive evil turn, and he unleashes all kinds of evil on the world. But uh, I don't know if you know this, but people are drawn to power. People are drawn to power. And uh, because he has, this guy has great power, people are drawn to him. In fact, people worshiped him. Uh, this is uh, verse 4. People worshiped the dragon because he'd given authority to the beast, and they also worshiped the beast. And they asked, who is like the beast? Who can wage war against it or against him? So people are literally worshiping this guy, this man of lawlessness, um, the Antichrist, the beast. By a show of hands, how many of you think that's a bad idea to worship the beast? Anybody think that's a bad idea in church? Okay, get, very good. Um, so if, if, if you want to read about it, um, this, this last battle that... Uh, because you're saying here, who, who's like the beast? Who can wage war against it? By the way, I have the answer to that. His name is Jesus, right? His name is Jesus. And uh, uh, this, this battle is described in Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 through 21. Revelation 19, verses 11 through 21. That's on the digital listening guide as well. But uh, it says earlier that the, that the beast or the Antichrist is riding on a white horse because a lot of the things he does, he tries to fool people into thinking that he is the Messiah or that he is Jesus. And, and, uh, but then, then the real Jesus shows up for this last battle, Revelation chapter 19, and he comes out of heaven on a, on a white horse as well, as I like to call Air Horse One. He comes out of heaven and... <laughs> Bible says with the words of his mouth and with the breath of his mouth, he does battle and boom, game over. Uh, just to serve, end of the world, party in heaven, inside the gate and to the left. That's what's going to happen at that time. <laughs> now, obviously, uh, people who have read any of these scriptures about the Antichrist or the, the beast or the man of lawlessness have questions. We have questions. We're like, is he alive right now? Do we know who it is? Do we know where he's coming from exactly? Uh, have we seen him, but he's not gained popularity yet? And, and uh, Revelation chapter 13, verse 18 says, this calls for wisdom. Let the person who has insight calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and that number is 666, which kind of makes it sound like if you're smart enough, like if you have enough wisdom, if you have enough insight that you should be able to figure out who the beast is or if he's actually around right now. And, and uh, because of that, there's no end to the speculation of who he is. Who is the beast? Who is the beast? Who's the, who's the Antichrist? And we've seen it all through our lifetimes if, uh, if you've paid attention. And I'll go back before some of us uh, were on this earth. Maybe a few of us uh, were on earth at this time. But uh, back during World War II, back during World War II, um, uh, many people believed for quite obvious reasons that Hitler was the Antichrist because he did so much damage to uh, uh, the Jewish people and, uh, and uh, led so many people astray and, and uh, obviously a very bad human being. But one of the cases made for Hitler being the Antichrist was uh, his name using, using numerology. Check this out. If you give the letter A the value of 100, 
And then you give the letter B the value of 101, letter C, 102, and so forth, and you spell out his last name, Hitler. Uh, the letter H would, would be, uh, have a value of 107, I would have a value of 108, uh, T would be 119, and so forth, and you add up the value of the letters of his last name, and you get what? Can you guess? 666, absolutely, but, uh, but uh, newsflash, newsflash, he wasn't the Antichrist. Now, very bad, very bad human being, and it may be a, uh, an example to us, a good example of a bad person, a bad example, yeah, bad example of a bad person who garnered the support of so many people and then led them in doing so much evil, but not the Antichrist. And then uh, uh, back when Ronald Reagan was around, there were a lot of people that thought that he was the Antichrist. Uh, such a great orator, I guess, maybe a little bit good looking because he was a movie star and, and uh, lots of people thought that he was the Antichrist. But here's one of the big reasons that a lot of people thought he was the Antichrist. His middle name was Wilson. Wilson. And uh, nothing wrong with Wilson if your name's Wilson. <laughs> well, welcome to church today. But <clears throat> Wilson has how many letters? Six. Ronald has how many letters? Reagan has how many letters? So you got six, six, six. And so a lot of people were convinced that dude is the Antichrist. There it is. It's plain as day, six, six, six. And there's one guy who had a book and you can still, I looked the other day, it's still on Amazon. Uh, there's one used copy left on the planet of Ronald Reagan being the Antichrist. It's over a thousand dollars if you want to get it, but, but I wouldn't get it because it's not true. But um, he predicted in that book that uh, in 2016, the U.S. was going to mint a coin with Ronald Reagan's picture on it. So it would have his image, the image of the beast, the mark of the beast, without which you could not buy or sell. And so he says this, better get a PayPal account or a debit card or you might starve. Seriously, that's an actual book at excerpt. But uh, again, newsflash, Ronald Reagan, not the Antichrist. During Barack Obama's presidency, there was constant chatter that he might be the Antichrist. And I even saw one video that uh, made the case based on his name and lightning and falling from the sky and all that. And, and it actually, if you just like all these things, it makes a little bit of sense, you know, enough to maybe make people think that what you're proposing could possibly be true, but also, and you can, if you're, if you're really, really bored, uh, you can go on YouTube and, and uh, search that. Is Barack Obama the Antichrist? There are still sermons out there, still presentations from pastors, both black and white pastors, making the case that Barack Obama was the Antichrist. But uh, I'm just going to let you in on a little secret today. He wasn't. Uh, same thing with Donald Trump. Uh, a lot of people, uh, people are like, man, he's so popular. He's so popular. He's got, look at all the people at his rallies. It, it's a, you know, yeah, he must be the Antichrist. No, don't think so. In fact, every U.S. president in recent history, with the exception of Gerald Ford, and I don't know how Gerald got out of it, but uh, every other, <laughs> maybe it's the looks thing. I don't know, but I'm not. <laughs> But uh, every recent U.S. president has been on the suspect list for being the Antichrist. And it's not just presidents. Um, as I mentioned last week, um, someone who is constantly talked about, and I, I, I watched another video about this this morning. I guess get up way too early sometimes. But 
Mark Zuckerberg. Let's see, somebody could see this on YouTube and then cut out everything else and edit it out. Mark Zuckerberg is the Antichrist. And see, they could just cut that out and it would be me preaching that, but I don't. But a lot of people believe that he is. And here, here's, here's why. And, and they have all kinds of reasons, but here's a, another one. And if you don't know him, he's a Facebook guy. Facebook guy, he controls, or his people control what over a billion people see each and every day. If you don't believe me, Believe me, it's the truth, okay? And, uh, and so people are like, well, here's, here's, here's how they make this connection. Uh, the devil is the prince of the power of the air. And people used to say that's the weather. The devil controls the weather, which I would agree on some days, but uh, <laughs> I, I, it doesn't make sense, the devil controlling the air. But now it is the, the devil controls what is aired, okay? What is out there. And, Mark Zuckerberg, I mean, he, he controls what over a billion people scroll through their phones each and every night, and he could very much sway public opinion for or against anything or anyone he wanted, which, by the way, has happened to a certain extent on our social media platforms. But is he the Antichrist? I'm going to go out on a limb today and say, he's a weird dude. But I don't think he's the Antichrist. But for those of us who've read the book of Revelation, uh, there's going to be curiosity on this subject, always in the back of our minds. Who is it? Who is it? Who is it? Uh, let me get, read some additional verses about him that link his coming to the world stage with the second coming of Christ, which is why we're looking at this today. Second uh, Thessalonians, this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Thessalonica. He says, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus and our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers and sisters, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by the teaching allegedly coming from us, whether by a prophecy or by word of mouth or by letter, asserting that the day of the Lord has already come. Like, people are hearing... And they got questions now because someone's been saying, Jesus came back and you missed it. We'll talk about that when we get back to Matthew chapter 24, okay? Uh, verse 3, don't let anyone deceive you in any way for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshiped so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God, which is a very similar scenario to what we've seen in the abomination that causes desolation prophesied in the book of Daniel, but also by Jesus in Matthew chapter 24. Don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you all of these things, and now you know what is holding him back. So there's something holding him back so that he may be revealed at the proper time. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so until he is taken out of the way. So there's a he, a power, holding back the man of lawlessness. And, and uh, this right here is one of the many reasons that people believe that Christians will be gone by the time that things get real bad. Because as the theory goes, the one who is holding back the beast from going absolutely crazy, the one who's holding him back is the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit resides where? 
in us, in us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so for the Holy Spirit to be taken out of the way, believers have to be taken out of the way or gone. So uh, will we be gone by the time the beast really gets going? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what that theory is correct or not. Uh, I wish I knew, but here's what I do know, what the Bible says, okay? So let's just keep reading the Bible. Verse 8. And then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie. So he's backing up the lie, sort of, with some kind of miraculous signs and wonders and all the ways that wickedness deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. So this guy is going to be uh, charismatic, good-looking. People are going to love him, and uh, he's going to fool a lot of people because he's going to pull off some sort of signs and wonders. But then there's going to be a moment when he cashes in all of those chips to get everybody to follow him in unleashing a time of evil. And if you're wondering, how can that happen? How could so many people be fooled? Um, over in First uh, John chapter uh, 4, verse 3, uh, John's talking about the Antichrist, and he says, he's not here yet, but the spirit of the Antichrist is already here. Spirit of the Antichrist is already here, and uh, John said that a long time ago. But I'm just telling you that in my lifetime, and maybe you've noticed this too if you're paying attention, there has, we've seen an increase in anti-Christian sort of bias, anti-Christ, anti-Christian bias. And now sin is celebrated, Christians are marginalized, Christian values are mocked. And it's all part of the setting up the climate for that day when, boom, evil is unleashed. Now let's go back to Matthew chapter 24. Let's go in at uh, verse 21 and following. For then there will be great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. How are those days shortened? Jesus comes back. He comes back. Now, I know we've all seen movies where, you know, the, there's a hero, and they introduce the hero at the beginning of the movie, and he's lovable, and we like him or she. But then they introduce the villain, and the villain's terrible. And immediately, once the villain is introduced, we know what's going to happen. We know that there's going to be a showdown at the end of the movie. Are you tracking it with me? You, you know this, right? And, and, uh, but the entire movie, it's like a, a buildup. The evil person keeps going deeper and deeper into their maniacal, diabolical, evil ways, unleashing their evil. And, and we, we we're thinking, even if we're only 20 minutes into the movie, somebody needs to take that guy out. Come on, hero, take that guy out. Now you know what it's like to watch a, a movie with my wife. She's doing that the entire movie. Come on, come on, somebody get him. And like, baby, we're only 10 minutes into this thing. You know, it's not going to happen yet. But, uh, but here's, here's the deal. That's where this whole thing is headed, to an ultimate showdown. But the winner's not in doubt. The winner of the ultimate showdown is Jesus. It's Jesus. 
He's going to come, and the battle's going to be over in no time with the word of his mouth, and people will recognize him as the King of kings and Lord of lords, and every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess on that day, and we will rejoice. But still, I know that there's going to be some curiosity about who the Antichrist is. Who is he? Is he alive right now? Is, is he not yet in a position of power, but we may kind of be able to figure out who it is? Is the pastor wrong, and it is Mark Zuckerberg? Um, listen to me. I don't have a book to sell on this subject. I don't have a, a podcast that I've got uh, advertisers for, and I need you to subscribe. I don't, I don't even have a podcast. The whole point of this series and the whole point of this sermon today is this right here, so that you can be ready for when Jesus comes back. That's it, 100%. And uh, I don't know if you know this, but people ask pastors a lot of questions, and the questions I've been asked throughout my ministry, are, they want to know details, details, details about out of the book of Revelation. Give me, give me details. Tell me who it is and how it's going to happen and all that. And I will tell you what I've told people throughout the years. I am not on the planning committee. I'm on the welcoming committee. Anybody else want to join me on the welcoming committee? So while I don't know who the beast is, and neither does that pastor on TV with the big hair. My apologies. I, I inadvertently described every pastor on TV. My bad. Um, but I will say it's okay that we don't know who the beast is or who the Antichrist is or who the man of lawlessness is because that's not the most important topic. Somebody say that's not the most important topic. The most important topic is knowing Jesus. In fact, listen to this. You can go to heaven without knowing who the Antichrist is, but you can't go to heaven without knowing Jesus. Knowing Jesus is all that matters. And the only reason that I would spend any time in a sermon talking about the Antichrist is so that I could use that as a way to tell you how awesome Jesus is. Amen. And he is awesome. And his team is the winning team. Amen. More about that in just a moment. Back to Matthew chapter 24. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Messiah, or there he is, do not believe it. That's what Jesus says. Don't believe it. If anybody says he's over there, don't believe it. Uh, for false messiahs, false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. So if somebody's coming and they're somehow performing some sort of miracles, he says, don't believe it. See, I've told you this ahead of time. Verse 26, so if anyone tells you, there he is out in the wilderness, don't go out. Or here he is in the inner rooms, don't believe it. Why, why, why wouldn't we believe it? We, we want to see Jesus come back. Verse 27, he says, For as lightning that comes from the east is visible, even in the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. I wrote that verse down on Wednesday night in my office upstairs over the garage. It's already dark outside by that time. But I wrote that verse down and... and um, then about an hour later, I'm in bed. And in our bedroom, we have three big windows. Not that you need to know what my bedroom's like. <laughs> For sake of illustration here. Three big windows. And we don't have, pardon my stupidity about not knowing my different types of blinds, but we don't have the blinds that do this. We just have a full 
piece of fabric that goes all the way down that can slide up or down. Anybody? Did that make sense? I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to be a communicator, and I have no idea what I'm saying right now. But. So what, what it does is it blocks. You, nobody can see in our bedroom windows, which is a good thing. Nobody can see in whatsoever. There's no cracks between the blinds. or the, I mean, it covers the entire window. But one of the things that these blinds don't do is they don't block out light. They don't block out light. So if we leave a back porch light on or something, it's just bright in our room, so bright. And so get in bed, everything's off like it should be. And, and I've, I've been in bed for just a little while. I've just got my eyes closed. And all of a sudden, it feels like there's a strobe light in the room. Any of you remember Wednesday night? There's a, it feels like there's a strobe light in the room, and I open my eyes, and those three blinds are just pulsating with light every now and then. Boom, boom, boom. And uh, I couldn't hear thunder. I couldn't hear thunder because I have my sound machine on that just does this all night long. Helps me sleep like a baby. And, but I couldn't really hear the thunder until I really started listening for it. But I could see the lightning and and uh, that's how it is. It was so far away, you could barely hear the thunder, but you could see the lightning. Lightning travels, the, the light travels, especially at night. Uh, you, don't have to, you don't have to tell anyone who's out on the road behind you 10 miles, are you seeing this lightning? They're seeing the lightning. They're seeing the lightning because it lights up the entire sky. And, and Jesus says when he comes back, it's going to be similar to that. Everyone is going to see. Everyone is going to know that he has returned. And you won't have to call the church office and ask. You won't have to post on, you won't have to post on Facebook. Is somebody saying Jesus came back? Anybody say Jesus? Anybody? And then Mark Zuckerberg himself will answer, no. It's a joke. You will need to ask me, and if you come to church, and I stand up on the stage and say, hey, hey, guess what, guys? Jesus came back this past week, and it's awesome. We've been hanging out at my house, <laughs> barbecue, and you need to come over and see him. Uh, find another church. Find another church immediately because I've gone nuts. Jesus says, you won't need anybody to tell you because on that day, everyone will know. Everyone will know. And so, so the question today the question is not, are you ready for the Antichrist? That's not the question. The question is, are you ready for Jesus to come back? Are you ready for Jesus to come back? And uh, here's how you get ready. You join Team Jesus. You get on Team Jesus. And you can do that today so that you can be ready if it is today. And I wouldn't delay this decision at all. If you need to make things right with God today, then make things right with God today. Don't, don't leave the campus where you are right now until you have made everything right with God. And I want you to take your communion cup out right now. And go ahead and, and uh, you can see on one side if there's bread, go ahead and open that up and get the piece of bread out. And then just hold the bread. And... Uh, if you need a cop, maybe ushers at your campus can kind of walk around, look for folks raising up their hands. Now, the Apostle Paul said 
before you eat of the bread and drink of the cup. The, the bread which represents Jesus' body that was broken for us, as the juice that represents his blood that was shed for us. Before you eat of the bread and drink of the cup, he said a person ought to examine themselves. And so I just need to say this out loud because I've had people tell me, they say, I examined myself and I, I remembered that I had sinned this week and so I didn't take communion today. Uh... We've all sinned this week. Somebody say amen. Somebody say amen. We've all sinned this week. So that's not the point of the examination process. In fact, it would be the other direction. You examine yourself and you realize that you're imperfect and that you need a Savior and that there's some things that need to be confessed and so forth. And then you open your eyes and in your hands, you have the bread and the juice, which represents the fact that you do have a Savior in Jesus Christ, which is, thank you, Lord, for that. So let's just take a few moments at all of our campuses, every head bowed, every eye closed. Let the Holy Spirit uh, help you with this examination time. If he uh, brings to mind something that you need to confess, then silently between you and him, you confess it. If you're outside of Christ today and you're not on Team Jesus, you can join Team Jesus right now by accepting what he's done for you on the cross of Calvary by placing your faith in him. But don't let this precious awesome moment pass without making things right with God. If you enjoyed the podcast, we encourage you to subscribe, share it with friends and family, or let us know by tagging us at New Hope Church TV on social media. We would love to connect with you. Thanks for listening.